Hi, this is Baba and Jennifer, and we're excited to welcome you to season two of the Bye Baba podcast, Out of Office, featuring unconventional career paths with influential stories. Manifested by Baba Rivera, this series aims to rewrite the script in how careers are discussed and how success is defined. Join us as we sit down with creative forces who have manifested their own way. Today we're out of office with our very own Team by Baba. Join me as I sit down with Julia Gasser, our Director of Business. I was so attached to the image of working in that industry rather than really loving what I do. Katie Daniel, Senior Marketing Associate. Sometimes I feel that your parents' dreams become your own until you realize they don't have to. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that can take... Some people don't ever realize that. And if they do, it can take a while into your like earlier adult life. And Liz Brewer, Marketing Associate. It was when I put all the pressures aside that I had as uh, when I started feeling um, better and more fulfilled. Hello, Team by Baba. Thank you for joining us on Out of Office today. This is an unusual episode. Yeah, so excited to be here. Super excited. So as you guys know, we always start our podcast the same way. So I want to ask you each what you initially wanted to be when you grew up. Julia, let's start with you. All right. I actually always wanted to be a veterinary. I always loved animals and I just felt like it was my calling. Um, and then things changed. But that was my dream. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, do you think that you would be a veterinarian or would you be something else? I think I would be something else. I think with the veterinarian thing, um, it became really difficult because nobody in my family was one. So sort of like I couldn't relate to anybody close to myself who had that job. So then it always felt like just this dream job, you know, this dream that you're sort of like not allowed to pursue. Liz, what did you want to be when you grew up? I mean, unrealistically, um, a superstar, a singer and dancer. Um, clearly, I lacked the singing skills for that. So that didn't turn out well. And I think um, that's also why that dream was quickly <laughs> killed. I feel like um, I actually believe this dream because you've mentioned it oh, yeah, more yeah. than a few times. Oh, yeah. It was like in books and everything. I was manifesting it from a young age. But um, yeah. I stuck to dancing. But I think then quickly after that, it was similar to Julia, veterinarian, and also um, a designer, ah, fashion so designer. Two veterinarians on the team. Yeah. <laughs> For me, um, coming from Texas, everybody uh, is, I feel like, either a nurse or a teacher or somewhere like in a government agency or something. <laughs> so um, if it were up to my parents, I would have stayed in Texas and became a nurse and um, gone that route. Um, when I was younger, I definitely wanted to do, um, like the fashion thing, like you said, be a designer. That was my ultimate dream. Um, and then I think as you get older, as Julia mentioned, it becomes like a dream job. Like, you know, you, it feels so far away, um, especially being from Texas and in that world, obviously not being in Texas. Um, and then, um, college came around and I actually got more serious about what I wanted to do. And I, quickly realized it wasn't to follow the path of um, the nursing route. So I I made the leap of faith and I moved to New York and I did the fashion thing for a while. And here I am. 
So Liz and Katie, I'm curious at what age did you realize you wanted to work in fashion? Because I feel that I had a similar path in a way where I I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. But then mm-hmm. as soon as I was eight years old, I realized like I was going to do fashion. I had my first sketchbook at eight where I started drawing my designs. I was going to be a designer. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious at what age did you start considering fashion as an industry? Um, for me, it was very similar. I think it was around 10. Um, I was always, you know, I loved to dress up as a child. And um, I think the only reason I played with Barbies or any dolls was because of the clothes. Um, my mom even like she sewed me clothes. And that's what I then put on just to be different from what everyone else had. Um, and then based on that, I think, yeah, around 10, I knew I wanted to be the fashion, fashion designer. Um, but then when I so originally I'm from Luxembourg and we started high school at age 12. So as soon as I entered high school, I knew this was the path I was going to go into, but I became more interested in the, I guess, the business route of it. So that's what I ended up going with. Um, and throughout my path, because I'm like, I love analytics. Um, so that's kind of like where I decided that I was more business driven than necessarily like, uh, you know artistic yeah I also think for a lot of people and for me um just mirroring exactly what you said around eight years old um I decided I wanted to be a fashion designer I had my sketchbook I drew my terrible dresses (laughs) (laughs) that's somewhere lying around my home um but I think it's also because when you're that age you obviously don't know that there's so much more to fashion and so many more layers um, so yeah, I mean, it started at a very young age, but, um, I think I realized when I got older that there's uh, a lot more to the industry than <laughs> drawing in a sketchbook. Yeah. So our team comes from very different backgrounds, but I'm very curious now that we have most of us all together to see if there's any similarity in our upbringing. Um, do you feel that any of you were kind of taught to follow a more conventional career path growing up via family, via school counselors, the society around you, where you grew up, etc. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. All of us are nodding. Yeah. 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 (laughs) 100%. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, again, like where I'm from, it's like a very small town. And I think, you know, a lot of things are very conventional. So how I grew up, you know, I always saw my parents as like the role models. And like I saw them always wearing suits and like, you know, doing these like very traditional, you know, jobs. And I think... You know, sometimes I got got like a glimpse of like other jobs, uh, you know, but there was never, you know, even a conversation in my household about like anything creative, you know, or like even sometimes when I was, this was like when I was very young, I was really obsessed with hair, weirdly enough. Like today I'm like less obsessed, but at the time I was maybe seven and I always admired hairdressers for one reason or another. And I remember this conversation I had with my mom and I was like, you know, I really want to be a hairdresser one day. And I think it's so amazing. And, you know, all these like women come together and, uh, you know, I always looked up to them and I still do. Um, and my mom looks at me and she's like, yeah, 
that's not gonna happen um <laughs> but sure and I just remember this already like as a young child I just felt like something was very wrong but I sort of followed her lead um so for sure like my upbringing was very conventional even the schools that I went to everything was very like systematic um you know we we all went in a very similar direction and I think um it's very hard on an individual basis to like then you know sort of like change direction and I yeah do you think that's what led you to go down the path of starting your career in finance? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I sometimes like, you know, you have these moments where like, oh, you know, I wish things would have gone differently and how dare, you know, my parents not like encourage me to do something else. But now I'm much more less resentful and more so like compassionate towards them. It's also like how they grew up. And like what they thought would be best for me, because it really came from a place that we want you to be independent as a woman. And the only way you're independent as a woman in the country that we are, finance is one of the areas that we believe mm. in will, you know, allow you that. So, um, yeah, for sure. Like everything led to that. I have a follow up question because <laughs> Julia on our team is a mom. So now that you are a mother... Does this come into play right now, the way you are choosing to raise your daughter Yeah. in terms of creativity or in terms of kind of leaving it open? She's super young, but is that already starting? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I don't get emotional. <laughs> um, yeah, it starts very early. I mean, you know, it starts from, you know, sort of like. I just want to make sure like we facilitate, you know, her to be whatever she wants to be. And I think that starts very young. It starts from her, you know, having a choice of clothing. It starts from her being able to choose a toy that might not be, you know, ideal for her age group or also ideal for her gender. Um, you know, there's so many times where we have this image of her growing up in a certain way, but then she changed direction and we sort of, like me and my husband, we sort of always remind ourselves, okay, this is what she wants. And we, you know, are okay with that. Um, so yeah, for sure, it's gonna lead to a lot of decisions. Um, and again, I think we're very lucky to be, you know, we all live in New York. And I think we're very lucky to be here. Um, because there are a lot of different, you know, schools, there are a lot of different ways you can raise a child. Um, and I think here really creativity is like, so encouraged. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm really excited for her to experience that. Mm -hmm. What about you, Katie and Liz? I was just about to say, um, I think we live in a bubble. I definitely live in a bubble here in New York. Um, and echoing what you said, Julia, about growing up in a very traditional area, um, I think we can all agree um, that creativity sometimes isn't the first thought when it comes to your parents and how they perceive you. For me, obviously... It was not just um, creativity in general. I'm sure my parents would love for me to be a creative in Texas. It was more so like, don't go. Mm. Um, so I, I totally understand like where they're coming from in that aspect. Um, but yeah, sometimes I feel that your parents' dreams become your own until you realize they don't have to. Mm. Um, and I think that that can take – some people don't ever realize that. Um, and if they do, it can take a while into your like – earlier adult life. Um. Yeah, I think I had a, a different um, background to the sense where the way I grew up, my parents always told me I could do anything that I wanted to do. Um, there was never any limitations that were set on my career. They were never told me I didn't, I couldn't do anything um, as long as I was happy. 
So definitely I, I feel very lucky that I was encouraged, um, for my career path. And the reason I am in New York is, you know, because of their support. Otherwise I couldn't have done it. Um, it was more so the pressure that I put on myself. Um, again, like I said, in, in Luxembourg, this, the, the school system is very different. So even though I knew I wanted to work in fashion, um, I took my academics always very serious and I, Ended up, you know, graduating high school with a degree in, um, with, like, with a math and basically physics slash computer science degree. And I think that was something that and a lot of my peers and my professors didn't understand why, A, I wanted to go that far to New York because that was not done for a university when there were so many good schools close by. And two, why with this major where I had all the opportunities in the world to go into engineering, to study, you know, go into the medical field as every single person in my class. And I was the only one who was going to New York to this fashion school and study, you know, fashion. But I think what people don't realize is that it gave me a lot of tools the way that I still use today, just the way I, I operate, the way I handle situations, the way I also like you learn how to learn and i think that's something that i apply in my in both of my classes in in um at university and also just in my daily life mm-hmm. um so i think it was when i start stopped putting like or just like put all the pressures aside that i had as uh, when i started feeling um better and more fulfilled but i always had the support of my parents along the way julia Your background was initially in finance before you switched lanes to work in marketing in an agency capacity. What led you to switch career lanes and how did you go about breaking into an industry different than the one that you were building your career in? So first of all, I want to say I love your mom and dad. (laughs) I feel like if they have been listening to this, they're like, wait. (laughs) Um, um, Well, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, according to like my university and everything, the obvious lane was finance. So I, you know, applied for jobs. I got my first full-time position uh, in finance and stayed there two years. Um, I think the biggest learning there was like learn how to learn and like really becoming resilient to like high stress situations. But what I realized early on is that I was so attached to the image of working in that industry rather than really loving what I do. Um, You know, as I said before, I really love to you know, dress up uh, in those suits and, you know, having the little briefcase and, you know, being like with this, uh, you know, very like, yeah, stressful environment, more so like very analytical environment. Um, but then what I realized very quickly, but then it was a hard process to acknowledge is that I was really not made for it and I wasn't really flourishing. I was really like getting smaller and smaller. I was really, I think the moment I realized I have to leave was, when I sort of like lost the commitment to the position and I'm, I feel like we're all very ambitious in this room. So was this in New York or in Italy at this point? This was in New York. Yeah. So I, I worked in Switzerland for six months and then they moved me to New York. And again, it was, you know, maybe it was because it was a very male dominated, dominated uh, team that I was part of. Maybe that played a role. Um, also because I lost that commitment, I lost that happiness. And I think over time, I really felt like, you know, either I, you know, sort of accept my faith and I stay in this lane, but then I wouldn't be able to flourish, aka get promoted, or I have to leave and just start from scratch. So when I left, there was a lot of pressure to have already a job lined up. 
I had didn't have that because for me, I, you know, want to leave finance. Um, so I remember when I was writing the exit email to my team, I was like, yeah, like I'm evaluating current options and a lot of follow up emails came. What, the, you know, where are you going? Are you going to a competitor? I was like, no. Um, so that was really hard because there was definitely a pressure of like, what's next, you know, after finance. Um, so then I was out of a job for like a couple of months and my sort of strategy was to talk to as many people as possible. And I think, um, I mean, I could talk about this for 10 minutes, but I will keep it short. But I think it was a very good, but very challenging period because I think when you come out of a very busy environment to like nothing, you know, and everybody around you in New York is so busy, um, it was very tough. But then at some point I realized I really love brands. I love building brands. I love, you know, uh, you know, just like the marketing world, again, I didn't know that that was a job. So then when I followed some people that I admired, one of them, you know, is Baba, I realized, wow, this is a job. Amazing. <laughs> so then, you know, I pursued that. And on the topic of kind of switching lanes and industries in some way or form, Katie, I want to ask you if you could tell us a bit about your background in editorial before working at Bye Baba. And kind of with that, when you made the decision to leave editorial, were you open to other industries? Did you know that you kind of already had your sights set on marketing? Were you going to stay in editorial? What was this transition like? Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, I came to New York with the one goal of working in fashion. Um, granted, my, my college degree was in uh, communications and PR, so I had that flexibility, but I never like really saw working in marketing, to be honest. Um, I wanted to be in New York. I wanted to work for a magazine or publication and be an editor. That was my dream job. Um, and I had it for two years. Um, but, you know, after being there for two years, um, working in pretty harsh conditions, I will say, um, it just makes you take a step back and, and think about your future. And when you're at that age of, do I move forward or do I sort of start over? Um, and I ended up actually, you know, trying to press forward and look for jobs solely in editorial. Um, it, it took, it took a lot of time to like let go of that dream. I think, um, I had to really like swallow my pride and, and, um, come to terms with the fact that it might not be the best, uh, route for me to go. And so I ended up kind of broadening my horizons and looking at different options, um, and I stumbled across by Baba, and um, and the rest is history. <laughs> Liz, you worked with us at By Baba while you were in college initially, before coming on full time as a marketing associate upon graduating. I feel like in university, and we also went to the same university. We went to FIT. I feel like, especially there, there's so much pressure on that final internship mm -hmm. to turn into the full-time job upon graduation, it's really, really emphasized at that school. How important would you say it is to align with an internship, especially the last one, in hopes to use that as a foundational building block for your career upon graduating university? Mm -hmm. That's the thing that you said, right? FIT, I think not only they push internships um, and the importance of them at the last semester, but throughout your entire career um, at FIT. So everyone you see is pretty much running around um, between classes and internships and jobs, which is very motivating. Um, but also you start comparing. Um, 
So depending on what major you're in, you obviously want to have the best internship and the best roster. So I think for me or what they also pushed is that it is as important to know what you want to do as it is um, what you don't want to do. Um, so I think what I was grateful for is to have a wide variety of different internships throughout my career. And I mean, not all of them were good, you know, and I think as much as you want to focus on the bad, it is important that you learn something from those bad ones um, and what I didn't want to do. So I think for me, the most important thing for my last one was that, I mean, of course, the thing is like you hope that you get an internship then turns into a job because that's what they tell you in school, what's, you know, the best thing to happen. But realistically, that's not what happens to most people. Um, so, of course, when you hear about the stories about people, you know, looking for jobs so long after graduation, um, especially when you're in the industry and you're in one of those schools that really prepare you for it, it, it is a little bit scary. So I think for me, I was looking for really a job that I love. For me, it was almost it was scary, the idea of having a job that I didn't love. Um, so I really wanted to find something that I was passionate about. And when I found out about about Baba as a person herself. And then I knew I wanted to work in marketing. Um, and then I stumbled across the agency. And, you know, uh, a DM later, it trickled into a lot, a lot more. And um, yeah, now I'm here uh, a year later. You said something there that I actually already have as a question about uh learning what you don't want is just as important, if not more important than learning what you do want. And mm -hmm. it's something that I always say, and I'm realizing now from you that maybe that was ingrained in my mind from FIT. Mm -hmm. um, so that might be where it came from. But I would kind of love to hear from all of you so far in your career, what have you learned in regards to that? What have you learned that you really don't want in your career? And what do you want? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard question because I feel like it changes all the time also. You know, it's like, um, you know, what I didn't like at my previous job, maybe I like now more or maybe I gave it a lot of chance just because maybe the environment changed, you know, things around it changed. Um, I think what I didn't want, and I think it's a very cliche answer, but it's, it's very important for me is like an environment where it's very hierarchical. Um, there's a strong hierarchy. Opinions are not very asked from junior people. And I was a junior, you know, uh, analyst for two years. Um, and there isn't really the sort of like, you know, safe environment that I was looking for. So there was like a clear line and boundary what I was supposed to like own. So that was very hard for me always to understand. Like there was never a transparency or even like, you know, me being able to own the, the process and not so much like in terms of like hierarchy. It was more so. There was never like a conversation around it. I think now what what we try to create by Baba is really to have like the process of building everything in a very transparent way. Of course, there's always like a limit, but like to an extent to have everybody part of a conversation, which I think is very, very powerful with all of us having such like different background and experience. Um, and I really appreciate that. And I, yeah, I think it, it makes us all flourish um, to a certain extent. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Katie, what about you? Yeah, I have to echo the environment. I think that it's a very interesting time that we're living in and that people um, are no longer accepting those, um, 
for lack of a better term, uh, bad, horrible, <laughs> unacceptable work environments. Um, so I think that um, definitely going into this role, actually, I know that um, when Julie and I first met, um, I had like been very candid and explained that, um, you know, my last experience was not something that I intended to um, expose myself to ever again. Um, and I think that it's very important to set those boundaries. And so people know where you lie in the very beginnings from this, you know, from the start. And, um, and also I think it would help to not get you in those (laughs) conditions again. Um, yeah, I think for me, it was really, um, being an environment that felt safe, um, that felt, I felt respected. Um, because at the end of the day, I just, all I ask for is um, to be treated with respect, um, the same level of respect as a director or an executive or a CEO, you know, um, I think that we all deserve <laughs> at least that in the workplace. So that was really the biggest thing for me. And I think on the flip side of that, it's definitely what I found um, at Bye Baba with all of you. Um, I think that for me, I never expected to make friends at work. Um You know, like it wasn't a make or break. I'm not the type of person that, you know, needs to build my work environment as my personal environment. Um, But I would be happy to do that with all of you. And I think that that's like super important and um, not something to be taken for granted, for sure. She's paid to say this. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Sponsored. (laughs) Sponsored by my No, but something also that I feel we all have in common is how we went about getting our job at Bye Baba. I think it's, and it might speak to just today in general, the the workforce. I don't think there's a very conventional way to land a job anymore. I mean, some of you mentioned it was a DM. Uh, Mine was an email, but it had to do to, it was due to exposure from Instagram. and, And so I feel it's definitely unconventional nowadays in terms of like securing and landing a job. What advice would you have for people who are maybe just out of college or they're looking to change lanes? Um, what advice would you have in searching for a job or getting that interview? I don't think it's no longer let's go on mm-hmm. indeed.com mm-hmm. or a job portal from university. I think there's more creative ways to get it. What yeah. would you guys offer to these people? I think it depends what industry too, right? Because if you go into finance, if you go into consulting, like I do think that there is a specific path that you have to go and that's that. But I think for creative industries like the one that we're in, there's different ways to go about it. Like like I said, I did a DM because I saw Baba and I went through a lot of panels. I think it's all about... um being persistent. And I think it comes down to if you want anything in life, persistence will eventually um, pay off. So um, if you see a company, in my opinion, that you really like and that you're interested in, um, you know, ask them questions, show that you're, you know, interested. And if they don't maybe have a job opening now, maybe find someone in the company, don't ask the CEO, but maybe ask someone who's junior and I don't know, meet them up and for coffee or whatever. And then um, engage that conversation, maintain the relationship. And um, who knows, maybe next time that they have an opening, you're the first one to come to mind because you're the one who keeps showing your face and show enthusiasm. And that's ultimately, I think, what 
you know, what both Katie and Julia were saying about a, a work environment. You want someone who's as motivated um, as you are and who already knows you. So I think that famili- familiarity that you create there um, can almost be your benefit. Yeah, um, I think like one thing that I over-obsessed when I left my sort of corporate job was to always talk to the founder. So I was very upset when, you know, big brands wouldn't like reply or, you know, just ignore my sort of like... Uh, you know, email. Cold email. <laughs> yeah, cold email, DMs, phone calls. <laughs> no, but I think um, it's a very good point that Liz brought up. I think uh, when I started to realize that the most important thing for me was just to understand what it means to work in a marketing agency. So I reached out to a lot of people that were either junior, but also like that were more like accessible to a certain degree. And I met them and, you know, everybody loves to talk about their experience. Of course, it depends on the busy time. So I really learned from hearing like people, you know, what is your day to day like? And I know it's, it differs, but like once I understood, like I, I removed that pressure of always talking to the highest one of the pyramid, then it became like much more easier with, um, Things that I would recommend is, you know, of course, like cold outreach is great, like whatever, like what you said, Liz, is so accurate and valid. I also think sometimes it really helps to bringing ideas. Um, I think, you know, just thinking about how can you provide value to that brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all focus, and I did that in mistake also, like during interviews, I was always about, okay, what are you going to offer me? And um, what can I learn from you? And sometimes when actually people that I interview ask me, that's a lot of pressure on me. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, can we fulfill those needs? And I think what I did with Baba, but also with other instances before, um, really thinking strategically out of the box and really like, okay, I would propose doing this. And it might be like super out of out of there and, you know, not applicable, but like just do your research and maybe come up with a plan, how you can be helpful and how do you see this business going? I think that's right. That would be very interesting. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really good advice. I want to ask you all, what is the best piece of career advice you've ever received? Katie, let's start with you. Oh, goodness. I think the best piece of career advice I've ever received was um, to not take each step too seriously um, and to trust the process and know that um, every step you take is just one step closer to your final goal. What about you, Liz? I think this is a mixture of things I've read, things I've seen from maybe other like founders, people I've looked up to, um, uh, family and professors even. Um, for me, like I said, and this is what I said earlier too, is finding something that I love because I feel like you spend so much time at work doing something every single day where you're miserable. It's just not worth it, in my opinion. Um, so if you can mix, you know, quote unquote business with pleasure, I think that's that's the best way to go because you're ultimately going to be good at something that you love. I, I think it's such a theme now, you know, in the last couple of years, but it was always a theme in my life is like patience. And I'm a little less, I'm like, I have zero patience. Um, and it was really hard for me. Like even as a junior, I remember like, I would just like be so fast in completing things and like be the first to like, you know, bring in the assignment or like my work. And then sometimes like my previous job boss, I loved him and he was so patient and like really explaining to me, like trust the process, but more so, you know, yes, there are deadlines, but really put in the time that's needed because I feel like sometimes in school we forget like how much time you actually need to invest to really learn and conquer a topic. And it's so, yeah. So like, I feel like patience. Mm -hmm. 
was a good one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just still learn today. That's good. Our final question of the episode, you are out of office. What do you do with your day? I think for me, going out of the city is everything. Um, just like getting in the car and like driving somewhere, whether it be 40 minutes away or um, upstate or Connecticut or wherever. I think it's just like so nice and relaxing to see trees <laughs> um, and just have that like breath of air. So that's really, really what my husband and I love doing on the weekends. My One of my favorite activities is actually visiting bookstores. And I would uh, like literally spend hours watch, like browsing through magazines, browsing the, through books and sometimes even take notes. Uh, that would be my favorite activity ever. I think for me, it's a mix of... Um a working out, it gives me the energy and just like clears my brain to do anything else. And then also just sort of like finding the hidden gems in New York City. Um, so um, although we live here, I think it's nice to kind of be exposed to the the little things, maybe little cafes, little boutiques, um, museums, areas that I normally wouldn't go to. So I love exploring those Um yeah. This is a good explorer. Yeah, she yeah, is. She's she is. like the gem queen. If you I need recommendations, like pick me up. <laughs> I don't do. I feel like Liz knows more about the city than all of us. Oh, she's going to release and a I'm city from guide. New York. <laughs> like, hey, Julia, sure. that's still... <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> what about you, NGA? Jen? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've always asked that and I've never... Been asked? Answered it, actually. I'm not even prepared. I think... <laughs> I don't know. I think... I am fortunate my family is also from New York and live in New York. And I think when I'm out of office, I really just love to gather with my family. Um, and now like have everybody over for a really nice dinner or a Sunday lunch or something like that. I think I have a really big family and everybody's very honest, um, to a fault. So it's a very grounding experience whenever I'm with my family. And I feel like it's the thing that makes me unplug and really like remove myself from our world um which can often mix so much with like professional and personal um so yeah i think that would be mine thanks for asking julia of course (laughs) i was waiting for it (laughs) thank you guys for joining me on out of office thank Thank you. you thank you thanks for joining my conversation with team by baba You can keep up with the team by following at by.baba on Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in to the Out of Office podcast. Hit subscribe to keep up with us and of course, rate or share with a friend. We'd like to open up to our hotline for a few career-related questions with Baba. For a chance to have your career questions answered in upcoming episodes, email us at hotline at bybaba.com. What advice would you give your younger self? I think I would give my younger self the advice to to dream a little. I I when I was really young, I was so I I was so worried. I think I just grew up in um in an environment where everything felt very unattainable and uh, sometimes that limited me. So I I would just give myself the advice to dare to dream and like don't worry so much about like the little, little money you have. I was the kind of person who 
like as soon as I made twenty dollars, I would put that in a savings account. It was almost like this fear that you never know when you're gonna have something again. And um, and what's interesting with with money is that I mean the word currency comes from the Latin word of like flow, like it's it's supposed to flow. Um, and I think when you have a mindset of being extremely scared and worried, you attract more negative somehow. So it, it wasn't until later in my life when I started to have a little bit of um, more trust in the future and kind of allowing myself to invest my money. I, and I say invest with like quote unquote invest because investments for me when I was a student might have been going to that conference that I maybe couldn't really afford, but I put my last money into going to that conference because that was an investment in my network. And I think the, the moment I started to live a little bit more like that and having faith in the future, I also started to attract betterness for myself. How many of your working hours are actually spent at the office and with your coworkers? I mean, this week, none, because I'm traveling um it's um, it's it's different like every week is different but i would say on a normal week when i'm in new york it probably goes something along the lines of three hours by my desk um and three hours in meetings with um like external partners and then two hours in meetings with the team something like that and i'm looking at jen <laughs> because i feel like you know better that's accurate i would say yeah i'm definitely not sitting by my desk that much um a lot of my time is spent either workshopping with clients or in one-on-one -on -one with my direct reports or in team meetings yeah or also in some sort of like social capacity a lot of my work is pretty social whether it's events or speaking engagements or meeting with our with founders from the brands that we represent um, yeah tough question <laughs> what is the number one thing you look for in hiring people i would say attitude is always key for me i i obviously always look at people's resume just to understand get a sense for what type of experience they have and and maybe how they have approached their careers um but when it comes to an interview i really try to understand what drives this person what kind of attitude does this person have and i actually recently um listened to an interview with the JetBlue founder who said that his favorite question in the interview process is to ask people when was the last time they ever did something in their role that wasn't technically part of their role, but they just did it to help someone else in the company? And I think that question is like really sums up what I'm looking for when I'm hiring someone because it shows so much about what kind of person you are and your attitude to your work when you go above and beyond your own role to do what's best for the company. As a follow-up to this question, did this attribute change, say, when you were hiring for previous companies versus hiring for your own company? Yeah, that's a, a good um, follow-up question. I definitely think I became much more kind of like obsessed with people doing what's best for the company now that it's my own company. 
But I think attitude was always important to me. I'm thinking when I was hiring at Uber, I I just work better with people who are optimistic and who have a kind of can-do mentality. Um, and that boils down to attitude as well. Out of Office is not just a conversation with our guests. It's also a conversation with you. Send us your career questions to hotline at buybaba.com and we'll answer them in our upcoming episodes. This podcast was produced by Tinka Media and music was brought to you by Blue Dot Sessions.